Yokoso, welcome to Amakara Japan. We thank you listeners for tuning in again this week. Um, and for those of you who are new to this podcast, we usually talk about Japanese headlines that might not hit international news, but there is pretty much world news across the board and we've been discussing it for the past two weeks. But this week we wanted to change it up a little bit, um, kind of give everyone a little bit of a reprieve from the COVID-19 and coronavirus sadness. sadness and anxiety. So we are changing our podcast a little bit um, this episode. So we still have with us, um, it's me, Michelle, and Stephen and Yasushi. Say hello. Hi. Konnichiwa. Um, and this week, we are actually, uh, for you listeners, we're going to talk um, personally with Stephen and Yasushi and myself about our um, experiences living in Japan and for Yasushi living in America. So I am basically going to be asking them some questions. So you get, a, you get to know us a little bit more personally than um, us just talking about headlines. So I hope you enjoy and hopefully this will brighten your day and give you a little reprieve from the anxiety of the real world right now. So um, Yasushi, your question, and I'll basically be asking these to both Yasushi and Steven, but we'll start with Yasushi. Tell us what part of America you moved to um, and why you moved over here and how long you were here in America. Yeah, so this was like almost 20 years ago when I was a college student. I went to Ohio, a college in Ohio. <laughs> it sounds funny to me whenever I say it, because Ohio means, you know, good morning in Japanese language, right? <laughs> but no, um, so I went to a very small college um, in Ohio. In good and, <laughs> yeah, and I stayed there for only one year. It was an exchange program. So I went to a university in Tokyo and I studied abroad for just one year and came back and graduated from a university in Japan. Yeah. As you say that, is the reason you chose the college in Ohio is because it did like, it kind of was Japanese, like saying good morning. Is that why you chose Ohio? No, it has nothing to do with it. No, <laughs> I didn't feel some people mention it. Gotcha. I was, I was just curious. I'm like, oh, I had never thought about that, but makes sense. Steven, what part of Japan did you move to? How long were you there? And why did you move over there? So I ended up moving to mostly to Tokyo. Technically, we lived in uh, prefecture of Chiba, which was like three train stops outside of Tokyo, but it was Tokyo. We still lived in Tokyo. I did work in Tokyo. And the reason I moved there is because uh, I was working for the JET program um, as a teacher, an English teacher. And I'd always wanted to visit Japan, but didn't want to just visit, visit. I wanted to actually live there and experience the culture and see what things were like. So I was there from July of 2017 to August of 2019. Two years. And I was with Stephen as his spouse traveling over there um, while he was teaching. I was doing theater. Um, I know lots of my theater friends I'd listen to this podcast in Japan so hello theater friends um, and so I, I found ways to 
keep myself busy and occupied and having fun in Japan um, while also working and traveling and sightseeing. All right. So, and and the three of us met in Tokyo. The three of us did meet in Tokyo. Yeah. One of my jobs, yeah. Yasushi and I um, came to get to know one another. And yeah, so that's kind of how all three of us came into contact with one another and <laughs> decided to do a podcast. Right. <laughs> all right. Yasushi. So when you w- came over to America 20 years ago, what was the first thing you noticed kind of different coming to here to America, whether it was good or bad? You know, a lot of things are different. Back then, like 20 years ago, the internet was just beginning. So nobody had smartphones. You know, we had to call, you know, the, the phone with the lines and it was really expensive. So it was completely a different world back then. Um, it was not easy to get in touch with my friends or my parents back in Japan when I was in the U.S. We had to I had, had to write letters, right? And it took like a week <laughs> to, to, you know, to get to um, my friends or my parents. So everything was different. But I would say one thing that, was surpri- that surprised me probably in the first few days was the toilet. You know, the American bathrooms, um, the public bathrooms, the doors are, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the bottom part of the door is open, yep. <laughs> right? In Japan, if if you guys been to the toilets in Japan, um, it's completely uh, closed. The doors start from from you know the bottom of the floor to the top of the you know ceiling. It's almost to your it's higher than your height. Yep. Right. But in American toilets, you can see somebody's legs. <laughs> You know when they're doing their things in the toilets and it made me really you know uncomfortable <laughs> yeah i had a boss that, once that had I, some shoes that i could recognize one time i was in the bathroom and i see him go to the stall next to me and i see the shoes i'm like well i know who's in that stall <laughs> yeah you can pretty much tell who's in it right if you look at their shoes um yeah so it made me really uncomfortable um, not just to see it, but to sh- to show that I'm using the toilets. Right? <laughs> you don't have the little yeah. panel that can play the nice calming music or the waterfall music and birds chirping. <laughs> yep. People know you're in there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, I guess. Yeah, that's definitely something that took me several days to get used to. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Steven, what was one of the first things you noticed? I was amazed at how easily I could get around with no Japanese skills whatsoever. It was because, you know, moving to a country that speaks a different language, like I had done before, I lived in El Salvador for two years and I got there, I I knew no Spanish. But when I got to Japan, knowing no Japanese, I was still able to get by with English for a decent amount. And even without English, just some gestures and just kind of getting around. It was it was easier than I anticipated and kind of a bad thing too, because since I didn't need Japanese to get around, it basically made it to where I didn't force myself to learn Japanese. So it was kind of a, an eye opener of, wow. All right. Well, I guess that's one thing I don't have to stress myself about. So the, the, the level of ease of uh, ordering food, going to a restaurant, 
um, things like that was unexpected. What about you, Michelle? Um, for me, like there were a couple of things. I I remember just how structured everything seemed to be. So like going on the train and I've never like lived in a big city. I've like traveled to New York city and, and other big cities before. Um, but again, as a traveler, it's much different than actually living there. But I do remember just like being on the subway and seeing like the people be off to the sides as the doors open and let everybody out from the, um, the subway car before they start going in and even them standing on the escalator like it just there was there was a regiment associated there was structure to it which was just very odd to me and everybody kind of knew these social norms and just kind of seeing that in action I'm like wow wow everybody's like following these rules you don't you don't get that a lot in America and then the other thing that I remember noticing is in some of the first days that I had gotten over or that it, I moved over there and I was still trying to find my way around and walking everywhere. But that, as Steven said, like you can get by with English, but everybody like the clerks that were in stores and such, when I would ask for help, they would always have like this big smile on their face, which was really surprising to me because I'd always heard st stories of Japanese people. They were very just kind of standoffish and, you know, but they all greeted me with a giant smile and we communicated by smiling and pointing and nodding and shaking our heads. And I just, I really appreciated that, that everyone was just, would greet me with a smile and not be like, you're an idiotic tourist. <laughs> Mm. so I I did enjoy or that was something that I noticed in the first few days I was there in addition to kind of this question Yasushi um, what if I don't know if it is the toilets or not but what was the biggest culture shock or the strangest thing that you had to adapt to overall like being there for the full year what was what was probably the hardest thing to get used to culturally in America mm. I guess you know um, I would say I pretty much like everything um, about the States, um, all my experiences. I had a great time there. But one thing I didn't like about is, you know, when I make appointments or, you know, you just, you just ask your friends um, when they want to hang out and you make some appointments, mm -hmm. right? You, you decide to go out like tomorrow night or this Friday. Yeah. I've noticed Americans tend to cancel their plans a lot more than Japanese people. So even when we make promises, um, Japanese people um, tend to commit themselves to make it happen. Mm. So however trivial it is, like going, go, uh, have, having a coffee or going shopping together, that when you make a promise, that's already decided and you have to make it happen. But in America, I think people are more, people tend to make promises more easily, but then again, they, they cancel it more easily. So like, you know, we decide to go out, you know, shopping and we, we've been sort of preparing and I didn't make any other plans, but then all of a sudden the morning of the, the day we're, that we were going to go shopping, you know, my friends emailed me or called me and they decided to cancel. So that, that, that was a, I was very surprised and 
it took me, I'm still not used to that, <laughs> you know, on change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say we do that a lot is we don't always keep our word, which I'm sorry to all my Japanese friends if I ever <laughs> bailed on you at one point or another. <laughs> I think it's because we prioritize things. And so we make plans, but then other things pop up and then we put them in our priority list and say, well, doing this is less of a priority than the other. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can understand that, but I think when Japanese people, you know, say yes to something, they, they think it's, it's not okay to change yeah. Uh, the rules yeah uh, i i appreciated that about the japanese people is you know their their word is their bond and they they will stick to it they might not always enjoy that they've agreed to it <laughs> and you have to read the social cues if they really do want to agree to it or not but i did appreciate that when they're like we're doing this you knew that that was going to happen so all right steven what were some things you did not like about japan all right so it's hard to really gauge if this was because of Japan or because I was raised in a town of 500. And so I knew nothing of public transportation. And the only time I'd ever really been on public transportation was one visit to New York about 10 years ago for a couple of days. So take me living, growing up in a town of 500 and throw me into Tokyo and tell me to get on a train that I counted and one train car on a full morning going to going to work with, with it packed, it had half the population of my hometown in one train car. And that was not pleasant for me. And having to get up four times a week and go do that each day was just the worst. And I didn't have it that bad. Like I was only on a train for like 20 minutes. There are other people who only like 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half even. And I don't know how people do it. And, and the, the salarymen uh, who do that for like 15 years, it's just, I, I, I couldn't handle it. So that was, that was pretty, like, I really appreciated public transportation in the sense of like getting from point A to point B pretty simply and walking around good for health and all that. But at the same time, I really hated it because I hated being uh, standing up and squished against everybody. In fact, I think only, once or twice a year, so maybe four or five times in the whole time teaching, uh, going to school, I think only four or five times, I actually got to sit down. And it was because I went to school on a Sunday. So the trains weren't that packed. Other than that, it was always just bad. <sighs> and I always fought. There was this one point where I used to fight with this other guy. Well, I wouldn't fight, of course. It was just it was a race to see who could get this coveted spot first. And it got to the point where I think he actually switched the time he would get onto the train just so he could avoid me. It was pretty funny. But yeah, that was kind of what, what was the coveted spot? It was right by the door. You're back against the uh the the armrest thing where the people sat down because then you could get off really easily and when it got really packed, you didn't really get much shuffling around and such. So Yeah, I like that spot too. Yeah, I usually try to take it, but it's it's one of the most popular spots yeah, in the train. I, I, I could probably get it yeah. two to three times a week. So almost at least half the week, I could get that spot. So I was, I was pretty good. Because I, mm. I was, you know, in Gyotoku, I was at the third or fourth stop, really, on the train line. So it really was kind of early on. But man, by the time I got to my school, it was a fight to get out. Oh, oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Steven's going back through repressed yeah, memories. <laughs> mm. It's all coming back to him. You, Michelle, was a bad experience for you. Um, Not necessarily a bad experience. I mean, I really enjoyed a lot of things. Something that was just hard for me to get used to um, and that I, I didn't like too much was I understand why the Japanese people do it is is they like when you're talking to them they they interject a lot where you know they would go mm, mm, mm. kind of like in America you would be like oh yeah yeah it's it's kind Hi. of Hi. making Hi. sure people are paying Hi. attention Hi. <laughs> all right thanks Hi. Steven mm, <laughs> you Hi. done no <laughs> uh but it's one of those, like, they are showing you that they're listening to your conversation, that they're engaged in your conversation, which I get. I mean, that's what people do. But they did it to such an excess that I'm like, are, are they trying to say something or, you know, are they trying to interject like another phrase or statement? And so sometimes I would pause my conversation thinking they wanted to say something in response to what I had just said, but then they'd be quiet. And it just, like, I, I had one Japanese friend who, uh, like, she was a wonderful to talk to, but it was like, mm, 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 mm. And I, it just, like, I could not concentrate on my own conversation <laughs> to, like, it just, it just threw me for a loop. And it still does. Like, I'll stay in contact with some other Japanese friends and they'll throw that out there. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's what they do. <laughs> So I, I've, any of our Japanese listeners, listen, like, I love you all to death, but you can like interject the ums <laughs> much more rarely. Like you don't have to do it as frequently as you think you need five to. Five to 10 <laughs> seconds, maybe. Yeah. I had a teacher that did that when I would sit at the desk because I was right next to the telephone. She'd be talking on the phone and literally it was height, 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 height. <laughs> And it went on for five minutes. And I'm just like, I have to go away from this. I can't do this anymore. So so that was probably the thing I didn't like. Yeah. So it's not just the language, but the, the culture and the, the way we communicate, right? So I guess for Japanese people, when we talk to Americans, we sometimes wonder if the Americans are really listening or they're thinking about something else because they don't say yes or, you know, they, we're, they don't we're respond. We're thinking about something right? else. But continue your story. <laughs> So would you, Yasushi, as a Japanese person speaking to an English-speaking person, would you appreciate an English speaker saying, yes, okay, 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 like throughout your conversation? Well, <laughs> maybe not, not so much, but I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's not much of a problem when we talk to each other face-to-face, -face. but on the phone, you know, sometimes I wonder if the the line is, you know, uh, disconnected. Are they still on the other end? <laughs> when when I don't do anything. Do yeah. yeah, I guess it's, it's hard on both sides yeah. to get used to you know, a different way of For sure, for sure. Okay, well, I think that is about time. I Hopefully we've entertained you. We'll save part of this conversation for next week. Um, I know Stephen Yasushi and I have thoroughly enjoyed each other's answers and i hope you listeners have enjoyed as well so we'll save some more of these questions for next week but we want to thank you for tuning in to amakata japan um, and spending some of your time with us and hopefully we've um, given you a little bit of joy and laughter 
during these kind of strange times. I want to thank Stephen and Yasushi for joining me on Amakara Japan every week. And thank you again, listeners, for taking the time to listen. And we will talk next week. Ja, matane. Sayonara.